you have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing, Season 4, Horror. You have 18 new messages. Monday, the 30th of January, at 10.17pm. Hey David, I am calling you from the basement of my house to tell you that I have chosen our next game, and our next game is Anatomy by Kitty Horror Show. Uh, it's from 2016. It's available on Itch. And in the new tradition of the horror season, I don't want to tell you too much about it until you've had a chance to play. I will tell you that it is set in a house and that it is trying to be scary. And I'll tell you, actually, that one of the things is that whatever you do, do not go into the... Tuesday, the 31st of January, at 12.39 a.m. Cool, I'll, I'll check it out. Tuesday, the 31st of January, at 12.59 a.m. <clears throat> All right, I have checked out Anatomy by Kitty Horror's show. Uh, for what was the first, but will not be the last time, as we continue to dig in. So I am probably not the best person to give context on what this is, but I can sort of relate to you the experience I just had playing it. Uh, it was spooky. And in my head I was saying, fuck you, Pippin. This better not... <laughs> this better not startle me in the middle of the night here. Uh, so what is anatomy? Well, the game describes itself with this text, Every house is haunted. Explore a suburban house, collect cassettes, collect cassette tapes, study the physiology of domestic architecture, and it has content warnings here for distorted slash flashing images, body horror, and strong horror themes. And it says this game has multiple endings. Uh, be sure to play it multiple times for the complete experience. So I can only tell you about this first time I played through. Um, I'm not sure there's much to say beyond what I just read. Uh, it's a game that's presented uh, in a very scratchy VHS quality. You're wandering around in the dark uh, in a house alone at night, just as I was here playing it. And a couple things about it are different so far compared to other horror games we've played um, there's like a weird foggy quality to the house. There's something about the draw distance where you can sort of see just over the horizon, but just this, there's this sense wandering around this suburban house that there is a horizon in every single room. There's a really weird perspective where the doors are all super wide. The halls are super long. Everything is very elongated. There's a bit of a funhouse mirror going on. And you sort of ping-pong around this house finding cassette tapes to put um, in a tape player in one room. Uh, why you don't take the tape player with you, I don't know. 
who can be bothered? It's your house, right? You can do what you want. Uh, and the cassette tapes have a little bit of a ominous narrator talking about this metaphor of how a house has an anatomy and it's like a body, the hallways are the veins, the windows are eyes. You're warned the basement is the subconscious filled with everything you try to suppress. Um, and then there's a bit of a gotcha when you go down there slowly, carefully, because uh, there's nothing there. And when I got all the tapes, again, there was nothing there. The game quit out. So, all right. I'm going to bed. Bye, Pippin. Tuesday, the 31st of January, at 6.02 a.m. Tuesday, the 31st of January, at 3.17 p.m. Good afternoon, David. It's me, Pippin, your friend in scares, and I was definitely feeling scared while I was going through my first playthrough of Anatomy, because, well, it's weird, right, because nothing happened, really, uh, mostly. One of the reasons, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, right, and we, we can go into maybe some of the details of specifics of different techniques, but I think one of the big things is the content warning uh, that you mentioned, right? Which is that the content warning is really contrasted with what you see at the beginning of the game in that it's talking about quite visceral, really classic horror stuff. But when you play the game, you're just walking around in a dark uh, apartment. But because of the content warning, you're expecting those things to come out and hit you at any time. So rather than something like amnesia, where it's like, please, please try and be scared. Please do some things to be scared. Uh, help us out here. Anatomy is like, we are very scary. Be careful in there, <laughs> which I think is um, is maybe more successful for me as, a, as an approach. Although I, I really like what we learned from amnesia as well. Um, I think there's, there's, there's lots to talk about, but I, I will just say that there is something impressively horrible about that basic loop of finding a cassette tape, carrying it to the kitchen, uh, listening to it, and then having your your next destination kind of prefigured in a bad way. Um, and then really importantly, the message that it spits out, once the tape is finished and stops, there's a text message on your screen that says something like, there is a tape in the bathroom. Um, there is a tape in the master bedroom. And there's this vague implication there that it's not just that there's a tape there, there's something else, you know, as well. Uh, and there's the uncertainty of who who is saying that, because it's not on the tape. Uh, it's in the game's interface. So who is this extra voice who doesn't quite feel like they have our best interests at heart and are so kind of blunt about what we have to do? Um I also will just say quickly that my my interpretation of the ending was a little different. It didn't seem as uneventful to me, and it might be that the game does something different for different players. But the thing I noticed was that when I first went to the master bedroom, there was nothing there, and I couldn't open the door. 
And then I blundered around in the dark and suddenly I was in the master bedroom, despite not having gone there as far as I know, unless I just did something weird. Uh, and crucially, that room had no door, right? So there's a lot of stuff around spatial instability we should talk about here as a, as a way that it generates fear. Um, also, you said it's our house, uh, but is it? Wednesday, the 1st of February at 1.06 a.m. Hey, I just called to say sorry for taking your name in vain last night and also to say that I just completed my second go-around with anatomy. And, oh boy, things are going to start diverging because there's the temptation to talk about what I just experienced and to comment on what you saw and then also to talk about the ways in which what you saw diverged from what I saw yesterday. So let's get a flow chart out here. Uh, so first up, I did not have that experience of popping into that room upstairs that you did. I had to manually open every single door and didn't run into what you're talking about. Uh, and I guess it was unintentional when I said it was our house or I was speaking unconsciously. I mean, I guess I was maybe talking about us as the player, but time for a question we haven't thought about since simulators, which is like, <laughs> who do you imagine you are? Um, in anatomy, and why does this continue to pop up for us? Uh, and why is the space in the house so intuitive to sort of glide around in, uh, which is something I thought about yesterday? Because um, it is a completely foreign and alien space, but yet very quickly uh, you sort of are like, oh yeah, of course, that's where the garage would be, that's where the bathroom would be, um, which is sort of for lack of a better term, weird, but I wonder if it's a thing you felt. Um, the second time around, I'll just say it confirmed what I sort of expected, and I didn't at all think that things were uneventful. It was sort of more jarring and uh, off-putting when the game just quits you out, as it happens again the second time, but on the way to that happening, uh, things are just wrong. Uh, for one thing, this time you start off, there's a lot more freedom, you can turn lights on suddenly, you can turn TV on, you can go into the kitchen, click on plates, and they break. And somehow my experience of this space <laughs> giving you a lot more freedom is somehow worse. It's, uh, I don't know why. It's like you want the doors to be locked. Uh, you don't want to have to go into these spaces. And as I continue to go around, I saw things that just are wrong. You know, the paintings were flickering, the tapes were flickering, one tape was floating in the air, and things just felt broken in a way that was like not a put-on trendy glitch effect, but just things are wrong here. Uh, I saw doors leading to only other doors, and that room upstairs seems like something went down up there and definitely something in the basement. Um, that bedroom upstairs has red walls, and it's just interesting, like you get set down this path of loop after loop, uh, everything kind of dreary, dark, anything that feels different is significant and off-putting, and red walls in that room upstairs, uh, sort of a big deal. So I guess I just have a question for you as a game designer, like, how do you design a moment of dread? Um, yeah, thanks. Wednesday, the 1st of February. At 3.07 p.m. Hey, David. Giving you a call on a sunny afternoon here. I played Anatomy for the second time last night. 
in the dark. And who are we? Well, I don't know. I just sort of assume that I'm myself in a gross house. It doesn't seem that important uh, who I am, although I don't think it feels like we live in this house. It seems very foreign on purpose. It puts me in mind, actually, of a dream, I guess, like it's a dream sequence that I'm having that I can't wake up from. Uh, and the space is intuitive, as you say, in a kind of dreamlike way, I suppose. Um, I think it probably mostly makes sense to me because of just U.S. television, like a, a kind of a, a very American house with the internal garage door and the bedrooms upstairs with the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. I do feel like the house is pretty massive, like awkwardly massive, strangely massive, uh, creepily massive because of the, the lack of light. I'm not really sure that we're playing different versions. We might be. I think it's more likely that they're the same, if only because it's so much labor to make um, some of these effects procedural. It's hard to tell without a kind of more forensic approach to playing and, and taking note. But I, for instance, I do also have a flickering painting and a flickering window uh, on the wall, a rotated medicine cabinet in the bathroom, a door behind a door, just like you, all of which is is doing this thing that I think is a, is a huge theme in the game, which is building up your uncertainty about the space and making us kind of distrust what the space is doing. And that, I think that's having a knock-on effect in our conversation, right, where we don't quite trust, we don't quite trust that we know that we're in the same place, which seems like a marker of, of success, success here. So I think it's possible we're seeing the same spaces, um, but they're just registering differently in the dim light of the house. Um, one of the things that makes me think about, maybe you can look him up, is, uh, is an installation artist called Gregor Schneider, uh, who works very much in the, the area of uncanny architecture. His work is very, very creepy in a related way to Kitty Horosho's game here. All of which connects us to dread. How do we design for a moment of dread? I think the first thing that we do is acknowledge that dread is a continuous experience, not momentary. So we're trying to create the extended feeling that something terrible will happen without it happening, right? Because the, the dread dissolves the moment that the thing occurs. Like the monster's there. It's not dread now. It's like, I'm stressed. I want to run away. <laughs> so when will it happen? Like asking that question over and over is the core of dread, don't you think? Wednesday, the 1st of February at 3.46 p.m. Yeah... The dread dissolves the moment the monster appears, and something I've been thinking about with anatomy is just how effective it is that there are no faces, there's nothing, like, in this house, like, there's nothing else to look at that's a living thing, there's nothing to sort of, like, there's nothing to do with these feelings that the game is, is giving you. There's nothing to, like, project it onto. And this big house is just, like, this very creepy, spacious, blank canvas. And um, I guess I'm just curious to, like, keep digging at Dread. And as you, you know, we, we now go up and down on the seesaw here, and you'll get ahead of me and start talking about playthrough three before I get a chance to, um, in playthrough two and playthrough three, like, did you try to go to the basement immediately? 
did you try to avoid it? Uh, I guess I'm just curious, like, what do you do with all this dread in the game that it's giving you? And uh, how is that affecting the way that you play? Um, that's something I think I've thought a lot about without really naming that's what I'm talking about. But, you know, I think anatomy is doing this really impressive thing of, like, there is no monster. It's just in our mind. And, um, you know, in playthrough two, like, the tape is just starting to mess with you. Like, it's talking about how someone is coming up the stairs and they're describing the house you're currently in. And I started just very paranoid, like, looking around, like, yes, in part because it's a video game. And, like, I know maybe it's prompting me to look and something will happen. But also because there's something about just like this freedom of movement it gives you, um, which I don't think we've seen in a lot of other horror games that we've played. Like you just you can look around really quickly. You can move very fast. You can you can zoom around and uh, you can run around like a headless chicken to your heart's delight, um, which I find I often do. Um, but how's this dread sitting with you, man? Are you are you spooked? Um, but really, like, how, how, is it, how is it impacting, like, your sort of, your play style and how you're going about it, and especially knowing that you're going to have to come back and do it again and find things that are different? Um, yeah, let me know. Thursday, the 2nd of February, at 11.50 a.m. Pippin Bar for David Walensky to talk about anatomy. I finished my third playthrough last night. I think you probably did, too. Very, very distinct from the first two. Um, the glitchy stuff is very heightened, and the ending is different <laughs> to the way that the first two playthroughs ended. Uh, we can talk a bit about that. How does Dread affect my play, though? Again, it seems like you and I maybe approach it a bit differently, in that the Dread makes me move extremely slowly. So I double-check rooms, I look around corners, I cling to the walls when I go into a space. When I'm listening to the tape recorder in the, in the kitchen, I always crouch next to the kitchen table for safety as I listen. And part of that is, is me protecting the scare, right? Trying to stay scared, trying to act scared. Um, but part of it is, especially in the first two playthroughs, where everything was more ambiguous and unknown, um, I felt very threatened, and that kind of behavior came naturally. Um, and I didn't even conceive of running until you mentioned it. I didn't know you could. <laughs> and I tried it out, and goodness me, you can run very fast, as you said. It's, it's so fast, I, it feels like there must be, you know, a reason for it. It's very specific. You race down the hallways, and... I wonder if it's kind of a different kind of horror effect that it's got there, because it perhaps simulates panicked flight in a really good way. Um, no time to think, you're kind of running into the walls, you're bumping into furniture. Um, how does it read for you when you move fast like that? Um, I'm probably going to keep moving slow. And yes, the, you know, the creepy blank canvas, I think, is a crucial observation uh, in this game. You're right. And the fact, I think, that it's become less blank in the third playing, I think, made it less scary for me. Um, and, of course, like, it's not clear that you can maintain the level of ambiguity the game sustained in the first two playthroughs indefinitely. Like, at some point, 
does that ambiguity just become kind of rote and not scary? Um, I don't know. The third playthrough is a real cornucopia of effects, right? There's like very glitchy. There's a lot of those weird, whatever they are, hairs or wires sticking through the walls, uh, furniture clipping into the walls, lots of audio going on. Um, and one of the things that that actually draws attention to uh, for me, especially the clipping stuff with, you know, like a chair will be floating in halfway inside a wall, for example, or a painting is sticking out into a corridor through the wall. Um, I said it, that the game was like a dream, but now I'm like, is the game like a video game? You know, many of the effects are really drawing attention to the artificiality of the space and clipping, you know, like 3D objects clipping through another 3D object is very, very strongly video games. Um, although there are horror movies who use that idea, who that use that idea of objects kind of mashing into each other for great effect. Um, there's one as above, so below that does it. Uh, and there's also colors out of space that does it. Um, but it's very video games to me. And so is there a kind of meta horror going on here, which is that we're trapped inside a horror video game. Um, but there's a lot to talk about, particularly the end sequence. Uh, perhaps the VHS filter deserves some more attention. The sound deserves more attention. Um, there's, there's a lot more to say, so you say it. Thursday, the 2nd of February at 1.08 p.m. All right, you want me to say it for you. So I, Pippin Barr, do confess that... No, we'll get to that. Um... What does the panicked flight fast movement do to me? Well, I'm sure as you remember from our playing police simulator patrol officers together that you were just aghast at my insistence on running everywhere in that game as you were a uh, much more reasonable facsimile of a human <laughs> and police officer and slowly walking around and dutifully uh, you know, closing doors you've opened behind you. Um... In anatomy, this instinct I've had doesn't serve me well. It's definitely panicky and anxiety, and it just exacerbates everything. Like, leaving doors open behind me makes me feel more trapped. Um, some doors you have to sort of close to get by, especially like that closet um, right by the front door. Um, which is just an illustration of how huge things in the house are, right? And I think I'm just, like, trying to get it over with or charge into battle first. Uh, um, you know, I usually just, like, dash through a room center and then I hug the walls. Eventually, I think I start off slow and then it gets faster when, like, things are different. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, like, is the game like a video game? Are we trapped in a horror video game? And it's a question that sounds like a non-question, because of course it is a horror video game. Uh, but of course we are trapped in it, but it's apt. And what sort of irked me in playthrough 3 was this moment near the end, before you wind up for the first time outside of the house, on the street outside of it, you eventually find. Um, there's this moment of like, how dare you do this thing we made you do? You monster. 
just the trope that pops up in games a lot. Um, you're finally in the basement for the first time, and then as teeth are rising up from the floor, a voice reprimands you for your insistent prying and ignoring warnings, poking around this house, listening in on the tapes. And this is a big video game thing, right? Like, it, to me, it gets at how games force you to be complicit and how that's different and digested different from, like, being a witness to something unethical or uncomfortable in a documentary. Uh, there's tons of examples of this happening in games. Uh, Spec Ops The Line, The Last of Us, Bioshock, I'm Told, and Far Cry. Um, my friend Gavin Craig wrote a whole thing about this for Bullet Points Monthly, a uh, thing called The Machinery of Complicity about... Uh, amnesia Rebirth, his word for it is contrived. When a game traps you like this, and I'm not sure I can think of a better word for it, it's just like whenever you play a game, you're just inherently complicit. You know, it's participatory versus passive, but it's also manufactured, i.e. it's just a video game. Like, what you've done isn't real, it's imaginary, it's fictional, which means almost by definition, like, Often video games are just extremely clunky or blinkered in um, their ability to say much of anything. Um, so I don't know. That was like a little twinge I got last night of like, oh, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's still scary. Um, but let's talk a little bit about like that and also like what does this quitting out mean to you? Like I'm sort of reading it as like we're seeing something unseeable. Thursday, the 2nd of February at... 9.46 p.m. Hey, David. Leaving you a message after I finished my fourth uh, and, I guess, fifth playthroughs this evening. Uh, I mean, you'll see what I mean because we've reached the end of the game. And I think that's a really appropriate moment to talk about the significance of the way that the game quits on you in those earlier sequences because it doesn't do that uh, at the end here so I think the thing that the quitting makes me think about is in tune with a lot of aspects of the game and in particular one of the notes I took fairly early on was the feeling that it's a game about thresholds uh, which is appropriate <laughs> for a game that's about a house, right? So most obviously doorways as thresholds between one space and another. Very scary. Uh, thresholds as well between the area that's illuminated around you and the area of darkness everywhere else. Um, another threshold you don't want to cross, maybe the special threshold of the basement stairs, for that matter. Um, the threshold of a mouth <laughs> that might eat you. Uh, whether metaphorically or literally. Uh, and then with this quitting, right, the threshold between the playing of a video game and your computer's desktop or whatever it is that you see when the game is gone is a very strange threshold, and anatomy plays with that threshold very explicitly by dumping you from one world to another very suddenly. And I think it's very effective. It's disorienting and kind of spooky. Uh, and it's like the game saying it's done with you instead of vice versa. I think that's powerful. This is one of those tricks, right, that you can't, I suppose, overuse. Like if another game does it and another game does it and another game does it, 
it might lose its power, much in the same way that the, you know, the why did you do the thing that we told you to do concept loses its power. Like maybe it's fun one time. If you run into it the first time, you're like, wow, that's really neat. What a cool trick. But, you know, you see it in Spec Ops, you see it in Bioshock. It stops registering, right? Um, but we should talk about this this ending, right? I, I, I'll leave it up to you to kind of set the scene, but I found it strikingly beautiful. And I think the thing that I'm left thinking here is <laughs> I don't want to leave the game. Um, in a sense, I want to leave it running, right? So maybe we can talk a bit about that. And then I think probably it's time to start taking stock of the scares. How you doing? Friday. The 3rd of February, at 2.40pm. Friday, the 3rd of February, at 3.59pm. We have achieved parity, in that I am where you are, or was, and we've reached the end of the endings in anatomy, and... I sort of don't know what to say, because I'm still processing it and digesting it, and, you know, start to finish, this was a bit of a Rorschach, um, and I guess you've lived with this ending more than I have, which is like one final recording that plays for you, um, or I guess like the game has sat you down, I think at one of the tables, maybe the same table we took every tape to. And there's one last monologue, and you're unable to move or do anything. And the game was able to get one last jump uh, out of me as I was um, didn't know what the hell was going on. And now that we've been through it, I mean, I sort of poked around online and read what others had to say, which is sort of something I usually avoid doing, but... Um, you know, this came out a while ago, so I thought there would be some good introspection. And there's just a lot of the usual superlative talk around it, or writing that to me often feels like jockeying to be the poll quote on the game box, you know, calling Anatomy true terror, scariest thing I ever played. And I feel like what Anatomy excels at, it somehow loses its potency in trying to articulate, but I think... As you said, I think that is a threshold we ought to push past because uh, I think there's going to be another layer under under that. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just empty my brain out on like a couple of things or a few notes I had that I didn't get to. I may as well empty them out now. One is I wondered if each time we played, were we embodying the POV of somebody else? Uh, two is that this game is a layer of hell. <laughs> it's some sort of punishment uh, for whoever it is we're playing as. Three is that it's a game about memories or death or regrets or guilt. And four is just that it's a game about suggesting. But I don't know what yet. But you called the end uh, here hauntingly beautiful or something similar. So... Um, what was haunting? What was beautiful about it? How is it fitting? How is it living with you now? And um, 
let's dip back after there. Let's definitely talk a bit about this whole VHS effect. Um, I'm calling you from my house. Saturday, the 4th of February at 1.41 p.m. Hey, David, it's Pippin. Uh, glad you've reached the end as well and experienced that. Uh, I will say, at least in my version, and again, we're, <laughs> we're not even sure if we're playing the same game. I think we are. Um, I think it's that we were lying on the basement floor uh, with the tape player leaned up against the wall. I, I, I also got a, a big fright when it started because the scene is totally static and you can't move, as you said. And why would we be lying on the floor? Uh, well, it sort of implies that we might be dead. And I think that that's actually related to the VHS thing as well, right? Like there's always this VHS distortion filter playing over the camera the whole time that you're you're playing which strongly implies that you literally are either are a camera or are controlling a camera moving around in the house um, kind of collaborating to make these scary found footage vhs tapes um, that somebody else might you know eventually find in the basement with your body uh, if you have a body and i think that the ending was very beautiful just in terms of that visual tableau. It was also really beautiful mechanically because it's the one time that the game doesn't quit. Um, there isn't an ending. The ending doesn't end. Uh, the playthrough just keeps going, the tape stops, and you lie there in the basement and nothing happens. And this is another reason to suspect that we're dead. Even if you quit and restart the game, uh, you're just in the basement with the tape recorder player and nothing continues to happen. Um, and then the other thing I think about the ending that's so strong is the writing. Uh, the writing's good throughout the game, but I, I found the final text very powerful, and I actually looked up a transcription, uh, which was on a Tumblr account called A Missing Ache, and this is the start of it, uh, when talking about what happens to a house that's, that's abandoned. Quote, it becomes worn and aged, and its paint peels and its foundations begin to sink. It goes for too long unlived in. What does it think of? What does it dream? How does it regard those creatures who built it, who brought it into existence only to abandon it when its usefulness no longer satisfies them? It may grow lonesome. It may stare for long hours into the darkness of its empty halls and see shadows. Its heart may jump as it thinks, here is, here is someone again. I am not alone. Each time it is wrong and the hurt starts over. End quote. Uh, and this actually resonates a lot with some language in... Uh, a book I'm reading, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. I won't quote that because I don't have time, but I will quote one more part of the ending text because I think it's another clue as to who we are. Quote, The house may haunt itself, inventing ghosts to walk its floors, making friends with its shadow puppets, laughing and whispering to itself at the end of some quiet cul-de-sac. End quote. Saturday, the 4th of February at 3.12 p.m. I, this is David. I was reminded of this documentary about Tadao Andao, a Japanese architect, um, which is named after him, which he describes a recurring dream or nightmare where he meets a client, designs a project, and tries to complete it, but wakes up before he can, or he meets a client, and as he's uh, finishing explaining the project, the client disappears, and then he wakes up. And, like, it's definitely true, you know, as that and as anatomy says, like, 
the houses that we live and spend our times in, the spaces that we spend our time in, like, they're, it's not that, I mean, maybe in a way they're sort of taken for granted, but I think it's like we don't really think about how, we think of them as ours, and we don't really think of them as, like, having any life of their own beyond us, or really even reconciling that they'll probably outlive us. And uh, I kind of want to dip back in to a pattern language, <laughs> the 1977 book on architecture and urban design and community livability, but I think I want to cool it on the citations needed, and uh, I'm sure we can continue to branch out and quote other things, but I want to try to really, especially with the remaining time, like focus on anatomy. And um, I think you're probably right. I think at the end, and we're in the basement. I think just my screen was too dark to really see that clearly. And hearing your thoughts on it, thinking about it myself, I wonder, when I'm thinking about it now, it's like, I wonder if, like, maybe it isn't that we're dead, but that we didn't exist in the first place. And, like, the tape, the audio tapes, is the house talking. And, uh, by the way, just want to give a shout-out to the tape recorder that's upstairs we didn't mention that shows up in one of the playthroughs. Um, it is just completely awful and horrible. It's uh, playing a tortured screaming and crying. It sounds like a baby. Um, you turn it on and there's just no way to turn it off and you just hear it forever throughout the rest of the house. So, um, I mean, it's feeling like maybe anatomy is about a house that isn't haunted, but that's alive and that it's lonely and it's angry and it's taking score and it's talking to you. Um, through the audio tapes, I think in a way that, like, to connect it to the VHS effect is like, yeah, that's a trope, but I think it's not about it being some shortcut to being spooky, but it's, like, reminding you you're both playing a game or trapped in it, but it's, like, you're seeing everything through a viewfinder, or maybe you're not really there, or, like, the audio tapes are sort of laid out in advance, pre-recorded, much as, like, the video feed we're watching is also pre-recorded. Um, like it's not happening in real time, but, um, a couple things, last things, like I'm wondering about the significance of the August 18th, 1994 date that shows up. Um, darn, there's one last quote, but I gotta go. Bye. Sunday, the 5th of February at 1.20 PM. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for bringing up the screaming tape, <laughs> because I really wanted to mention that as well. It was one of the, it was one of the things in the game that I think was just directly awful and frightening, and that I wanted to get away from, in a really pure horror sense. So amazing screaming, and of course, the screaming and the context worked together incredibly well. One thing that I've been thinking about is that because we've been both playing this game in a very specific rhythm of one one playthrough per night, it makes me think about horror and scheduling. Kind of like the way that you build up dread by knowing that a thing is coming. Uh, like a dentist's appointment, if you don't like a dentist's appointment, right? But all kinds of things. There's this known point in the future and horror movies use this too, right? There's, there are horror movies that have the plot point that you know when you're going to die, and, and no matter what you do, you, you die at that exact moment. Our playing of Anatomy, I think, helped to build the 
the dread in between playthroughs so that the playthrough itself took on a kind of, you know, ritualistic feeling, um, but also that we had time to build towards it emotionally. And that makes me think about games like Amnesia that, that offer all of this advice about how to play them in order to be scared in a dark basement with headphones on and ways that the games we're playing could extend on that advice. And perhaps this idea of scheduling is one way that that could, that could go as well. Um, and scheduling is something that a game can enforce to some extent because they, you know, they can see the system clock, for instance, and they could just make themselves unplayable except for your very specific appointment with fear. Um, and also thinking about amnesia, all of its advice came in the menu system as you started the game. And one thing I like about anatomy is that it doesn't actually include any acknowledgement of its game status in the game. So there's no, you know, use WASD to move when the game boots up, or hold down shift to sprint, or here's how you jump, or any of that stuff. The closest it comes is, for instance, the weird creepy voice saying there's a tape in the living room or something. But that's part of the, the scariness of the game. So the fact that Anatomy includes all of its kind of instructions in text files that come with the game I love. I'm sure it's, you know, it's at odds with usability guidelines around what contemporary players expect from a game. But raising your expectations of the players is a, a thing that I think great games do, and I think Anatomy is, is doing that. And, of course, I just wanted to return to Thresholds. Having finished the game and lying in the basement or whatever is happening there, we know from one of the text files that you can reset the game data to zero uh, by pressing delete and I still haven't done it. Have you? Sunday, the 5th of February, at 2.36pm. Guess if there's one other possible thing I could say um, about horror and scheduling, it's that more than anything else we played, definitely as a result of Anatomy's abrupt quitting uh, you out as a rejection slash reward to the player. It's a way of letting you know it's done with you. Uh, I know that was a big contributor to how much I just wound up thinking about it while not playing it. I mean, I went to bed thinking about the game when I went off to bed. The rest of the next day as I was working. And that thinking sort of blended into a kind of anticipation slash dread slash psyching myself out to do it again, which really says a lot about like what the 15 minutes each session does to you. Um, and you mentioned the text files, which I hadn't actually seen until you mentioned them. And uh, one other thing I can add is that there's one marked spoilers play before reading, which isn't really filled with spoilers for us. Um, but it, did confirm, like it asked, like, oh, are you in the basement immobile with the tape player? Has it played its tape? If so, then you've reached the end. Uh, so we know it's the basement, but what does that mean? Don't know. Uh, but I can also say I didn't know there were controls. I didn't know there were these files there. So, you know, when you mentioned a couple messages ago, you were crouching next to the table. I didn't know that was something you could literally do. Uh, it sort of reminded me of Alone in the Dark when I talk about how Sometimes the controls didn't do quite what I wanted them to do. And there was a lot of stuff I saw just that I was doing in anatomy that the, that the instructions don't tell you you can do. So sometimes I'd press like left shift on the keyboard and it would make me drift forward or there was like a mouse button I was pressing 
I think the right um, or maybe the middle button makes you zoom in on things. And it's funny how a lot of controls in horror games are sort of geared towards empowering you to do the opposite of what is reasonable uh, or what you think you ought to be doing. But because you can, it feels important. So I was definitely, you know, running around that house, zooming in on stuff. Not that it functionally did anything, but it definitely contributed to the general unease. Um, and I guess, like, no, you know, I haven't reset it yet, but I would do it all again. And I think that although you and I experienced largely the same things, I did see some people talk online. I mean, maybe they were just lying. Everyone loves a good ghost slash fish story. But, you know, they were saying sometimes instead of being spat out outside of the house, they were in a maze or some fleshy room. And I mean, I don't know. I don't want to end on a sour note, but I'd be curious to hear a little bit on your thoughts of like, why that one section landed a bit oddly for you. And I've, I guess I just wonder, like, you know, do we play horror games to be trapped? Like, we don't actually want to get our freedom? Monday, the 6th of February, at 1.51pm. Hey, David. It's Pippin, and our time with Anatomy is up, at least in terms of, of talking about it um, on the phone. Not that I've reached you this entire uh, time. One thing that you reminded me to mention via email is that Anatomy is dedicated to Shirley Jackson, who is uh, a very important um, horror writer. She wrote The Haunting of Hill House, and We Have Always Lived in the Castle. So there's that you know ongoing thing of literary references, um, that we're seeing in horror, ga horror games. Lovecraft is sort of the usual, but it's neat to see Shirley Jackson as a direct inspiration here. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that Kitty Horror Show, who made Anatomy, has um, an itch.io page, kittyhorrorshow.itch.io, and a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash kittyhorrorshow, worth check checking out for anybody who, um, who loves this game. And, you know, in summary, I guess the game seems like a masterpiece. I'm not an expert, but it it was something special. And I think if I were pointing to just one thing, it would be the manipulation of ambiguity and, and uncertainty that the game leans on at all levels, whether that's literally the resolution that it displays at, the way that darkness works in the game, the use of language and glitching of language, the awkward spaces, the quitting mechanic itself, the content warnings in a file outside the game, the spoilers that you would have to read <laughs> to even know that you'd finished the game, right? Just everything about it. Um, the pieces, I guess, don't fit together beautifully and destabilize everything about your experience of the game, who you are, where you are, why you are. I wanted to end on that um, that that quote I was meaning to talk about from Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, which is by Olga uh, Tokarczuk, um, because it's it's an interesting reading of where this this story could have gone, um, in a way. So she writes, quote, In a sense, houses are living creatures that coexist with man in exemplary symbiosis. My heart filled with joy, for now it was plain to see that the symbionts had returned. They had filled the empty interiors with their comings and goings, the warmth of their own bodies, their thoughts, 
Their dainty hands were mending all the little cuts and bruises left by the winter, drying out the damp walls, washing the windows, and fixing the ballcocks. Now the houses looked as if they had awoken from the deep sleep into which material sinks when it is not disturbed. End quote. So, you know, I think a reminder in a way that, well, that beauty and friendship have a flip side and that this might be one place that horror comes from, right? The souring and rotting of things that could have been beautiful. End of messages. Thank you for calling GameFin. For more information, please hang up and dial GameFin.life. Goodbye.